Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Uh, it's, it's great to be back. Uh, as Pastor Andre says, my name is Janice, if you don't know already. And uh, this is so surreal. This is super surreal. So I'm just going to stare at y'all for a moment. You're alive in person here. <laughs> uh, what a joy. Uh, it's, it's a privilege to bring the word to you. Uh, I'm just going to pray and we jump right in because, you know. Uh, God, we just thank you so much uh, once again that we can gather here as your people. Uh, and God, we gather here around uh, your word and in your presence uh, together. God, we just uh, pray, not just for us, but also the kids and teachers at Level 5. We pray, God, for just your presence to strengthen our spirits, stir our hearts for things of your kingdom, things pertaining to you and that are precious to your heart. And so, Lord, with that, we pray that this word would speak to us right where we are and move us to faith and obedience in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, a good few years ago in the New York Times, an article came out by this guy, let me see if I can pronounce his name, called Hel, H-A-L, Hel Nijviki. And he shared his experience uh, regarding Facebook. And so one day he, he, he realized he has about 700 friends uh, through Facebook. And uh, some of us who are a bit older will recall those days when it's like all the rage. Uh, <laughs> Well, it was. And uh, you, you know, make friends that you would otherwise not have made through Facebook. And so this Hal Nidzviki uh, realized that he has 700 friends. And uh, on a particular day, he decided to put up an event. Meet me at this watering hole, right? So I mean, like a uh, drinking place around the city, in the city. And he sent this invite out to all of those 700 friends. And 15 of them, and you know you can, yes, no, maybe. So 15 of them said yes to coming, whereas 60 said maybe, right? He didn't know, of course, that when you maybe on Facebook, it's basically a no la, you know, <laughs> nah, you know. But 60 people maybe and 15 said yes. And he, you know, waited for the day to come. He was like looking forward to, okay, maybe out of this really just 20, maybe might show up. Uh, it's okay, it's still good. I'd love to look forward to meeting these friends who I've only seen on Facebook. And so he dressed up, he got showered, put on his nice like perfume, did his hair, walked down to his favorite bar, and sat there and waited. And the story goes, and it's real, nobody showed up. And he waited for hours until, I don't know how long he waited, one woman came. This woman showed up, I think her name was Paula. And she's not even one of the 700 friends. She's a friend of a friend, uh, one of his 700 friends. And that was like just the dismal, the most dismal social event ever. But it got really awkward, you know, him and this strange woman who he doesn't really even know through Facebook, hanging out there over a drink which he bought for her. And at the end of the night, uh, he closed off his story to say, 700 friends, and here I am, drinking alone. And I thought that was such a real story, such a parable of our society, 
and I'll, I'll go on to talk a little bit more about this. But I, I want to start off to just say how technology has really changed the way that people interact, right? How we socialize, how we interact with each other, how we have exchanges. And um, the, the, but the truth is, what was, of course, designed to connect us, like Facebook and things like that, uh, can actually inadvertently cause further disconnection. And that's what really many of us experience, right? More and more so today. But the truth is we are, de we are designed, we're hardwired to relate, to connect with people. Uh, you know, just this joy of being in each other's presence, right, is, is a testament to that. We are hardwired to connect. And that's how we're made. God designed this perfectly this way from the Garden of Eden. What, what we're meant to enjoy is really a well-being of your whole person, right? Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And actually, even, you know, a lot of studies do show this, is that this warm, heart-to-heart -heart kind of connection is what gives us long life, right? good quality of life. And uh, actually, it also is very important for healthy sexuality, right? Healthy sense of your sexuality as a male, as a female. It's also very much a part of our sense of who I am, my identity, my purpose, right? And also this mutuality, right, in connecting with people, whether it's just someone at a stall that you're buying from or a relative of your own family. And it's also very much part of human flourishing, right? And in, this, uh, in their book called the in, in the La For the Life of the World, Wolf and Crossman wrote this, which I thought is just one like punchy statement, which says, the flourishing of human beings and all God's creatures in the presence of God is God's foremost concern for creation. And that's really it. God's foremost concern is for us to flourish in His presence. Think about that. Think about the Garden of Eden. Think about the book of Revelation. That is God's foremost burning concern. But because of, you know, fragmentation and just this different kind of things that segregate us or cause a breaking in our ability to relate and to connect honestly, authentically, healthily, what we experience instead of well-being and long life and healthy sexuality is poor health, loneliness, right? Isolation, we experience low confidence, self-esteem issues, self-indulgence. We experience a lot of agitation and hostility between people, right? And in some sense, the sad thing also is how social media, if we're not careful, it functions like binging on junk food, right? You get a sense of like you feel full of interactions and like getting information, knowing updates about people's lives as though you're connecting. But the truth is, not really, right? Uh, that's a sad thing. So what is technologically possible doesn't equal tangibly present. It's different, right? I'm not saying technology is bad. Of course not. We connect through technology. But I'm saying where there are limitations and there are ways and we need to go back and look at really how we're designed to connect. And so it's really still such a primal need that we have. In COVID, I feel, has made us so much more adept at connecting virtually. And there's pros and cons to that, right? Now it's like almost like a knee-jerk, like, oh, yeah, uh, Asha, let's Zoom, right? Not a bad thing. 
But, it's, but I, I would want to say that I think it's a blessing in disguise in this past two years, or I've had reflections, I hope that you've had some of it, is I've become more aware of my need to relate to someone in person. Never before have I felt so limited, right? You have to think about can or not, uh, where I can sit down and eat, can do this, you know, you know just this is new. Well, it's newish. Two years feels old. And, and it's, it's made me more aware of my need to connect with people in person. It's made me more aware of how I meet those needs unhealthily, right? And perhaps you too. Healthily versus unhealthily. It's also made me more mindful uh, and, and focused, okay, uh, who do I meet? Because, you know, you're trying to limit or too many appointments. Okay, who do I meet? How, where? What? Okay. And, and it's made me more mindful of that. The church, I'll say, I'll start off with this, must be this place of healing, a restoration of our human-human interaction and our relationality. That is the gospel because that's God's foremost concern for us to blossom in His presence and with each other. So today, as week eight of our missional life, what we're talking about is practice of presence. Okay, I'll... I'll Explain a little bit. So some of you might know the Brother Lawrence book, right? Practicing the Presence of God, or many more. You've heard of or you've read. Uh, I will just define that like practicing the presence of God is not trying to make things happen, not trying to like, okay, God's presence, God's presence is not. Or it's just us growing a habit of becoming more attentive or more aware of God's presence and responding to His presence. Okay, so there's growing in attentiveness of Him being in us, with us, wherever we are, and responding to His presence. Whether it is sitting down, you're having a meal in a restaurant, or you're right there at your workplace, in your cubicle, whatever it is, it is that growing awareness, right? In our work, at home, out on the streets. That is practicing God's presence. And, and Brother Lauren's book is... is Quite a good read. If you haven't read it before, just grab it and to, to read and hear his experience, uh, uh, him uh, as a monk in a place where he learns to practice God's presence. Now, in Christian theology, there's this word called coram dio, coram deo, before the face of God, or you can see it as in the presence of God. And I'm just going to put this just because, you know, it's, it's a good capture phrase, coram dio, and you might see or come across it, right? It really means before the face of God. It's, it's, it's founded on the understanding that God is omnipresent. God is present everywhere. And, and as I thought about this, what are the implications when I say God is everywhere? What are the implications for me? as a Christian, and what would be the implications for you? And here's like a quick list, just thoughts uh, that I quickly penned down. And I think, and I thought through them, it's so true. If I say God is present everywhere, what I'm saying is He is divine over all creation. He is sovereign, right? And so as a Christian, if I were to say He is everywhere, I am subject to His authority everywhere, right? And it also means that there is a tutoring of my conscience before God. Because not only like, oh, when I'm in church service, I have a conscience, right? But God is everywhere. So when I'm about to, you know, cheat someone of money or do something, it's, it's, it's tutor, tutoring my conscience because God is everywhere, right? And it also implies or reminds me that we are God's priests, 
right? What does that mean? We are God's people. We are called to be priests who steward his presence, who steward his presence everywhere we go, right? Not just in the temple in the Old Testament. It also implies that my Christian faith is holistic. There is no, like, this area of my life is sacred, this area of my life is secular. No, if we really grasp that God is everywhere, Coram Dio, right? There is no dualistic living. It is holistic. There is just this sense that holiness is expected whether you are a pastor or some other uh, different job, okay? Whether you are, there is just this oneness and integrated understanding of my faith as a Christian. I don't live differently. The standards are the same for all disciples, essentially, right? Koram Dio also implies everything is for God's glory, right? And everything we do is really for His glory, whether you work, eat, drink, whatever it is, we do it all for the glory of God, right? Just to kind of prompt you thinking a bit more, what does it mean, right, when we say God is present? So when we practice God's presence, we are practicing God's presence everywhere. You know, when someone is sick, we're contending for their healing, we're, we're wrestling, we're learning to be discipled in His presence, right, in that instance. Or when someone is sharing how, you know, there is a um, marital uh, situation and you're like, okay, I'm listening to this, how do I tend to God's presence right here with my friend who's sharing? Or maybe you're uh, in the street or in, in, the, in the car, um, you're talking to the driver and he's like, you know, trying to make conversation, he's being polite, and you're like, okay, God, like, what are you doing in this uncle's life, right? Is there something you want to say? Is there a way that you want to encourage him? And this is practicing God's presence. Or right there in your home, right, when your kid is giving you a hard time driving you up the wall, uh, and right in that instance, right, okay, <laughs> How do I not strangle you, but practice God's presence right in this minute, uh, right? We, we learn all these things in all of our lives, and that uh, is really how it's a holistic thing. So we learn to integrate and live out of this genuine place of our faith. I want to talk a bit about how we are God's people of presence now. Okay, we've talked about God's presence. And, and what does it mean then, we as God's people? I talked a little bit about the, uh, us as, as priests, right? If you look at scripture, the story of God is essentially about him wanting to return his presence to all his creation. From Garden of Eden, think of Ark of Covenant, the temple, right? Think of Jesus, Emmanuel, who came, the word incarnate, to dwell among us. What is that? That is God returning his presence to his people. That is all of the God story. God wanting us to be in his presence, wanting us to experience his well-being, this shalom that he intended from Eden. And, and 1 Peter 2.9 reminds us that we are these priests, right? We are this chosen people, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, because where there is darkness, we bring light because we now belong to the kingdom of light. And so just now, even uh, you know, as we close worship, Pastor Andre talked about Romans chapter 12, verse 1, uh, which says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, you see priests presenting sacrifices on the physical altar, right? 
But for us, what does it mean as a kingdom of New Testament priests today? We steward God's presence. We mediate God's presence everywhere in every sphere we go as a kingdom of priests. And we present, we are that living sacrifice in Jesus' footsteps, who himself is that high priest, right? So how does God restore his presence in all of creation? And what do we have to do with it? That's the question. I say God's people, we are called to identify, right? To participate in, to join God in his work of restoring his presence and to witness to it, right? To speak of it, to sing of it, to pray into it. We do this. We are called to identify, participate and witness to God's presence in the world. David Fitch in his, it's a pretty good book if you're in, uh, interested to f- uh, learn more about, you know, like missional living and all. Every neighborhood, social gathering and meeting place is a flowing stream of antagonistic broken relationships. Not a very positive statement there. <laughs> flowing stream of broken relationships. And he goes on to say, as we sit and tend to Christ's presence among these various places of life, the occasion will arise to offer the reconciliation of God in Christ for the whole world. Every neighborhood, every home, every space, right? Like the story of Hel Nitzviki, right? And also like what came to mind is from Castaway, Chuck Nolan and Wilson, right? There is <laughs> Wilson, I'm sorry. You know, I think he spent four years with that ball. Uh, I don't know, is it four years? I don't know who's remembering that story, but Chuck Nolan, right? I mean, just this parable. We may not be marooned on an island like Chuck Nolan was, but that loneliness is real. Many of us are in some island of our own that nobody knows of, even right here. It's a parable of this, the commonness of our loneliness and need to relate, that we need to learn to tend to and be attentive to what is God doing? What is God doing? And how is God restoring his presence right here? Right? And that's what we as God's people are called to do. I throw out this, just three pictorially, hopefully will help kind of capture uh, when I say spaces, give you like a more concrete visual in your mind, right? So the first one is like when we gather like this, and, and it's apt, and not that it's planned, but here we are, first week of our reopening, right? Double service, and, and hopefully in all the weeks to come, what we experience is a tangible presence of God together, a corporate worship that carries a power and a oneness and a unity, and ex- it's just not that it expresses it, and it shapes us into it. It's two-way, right? It is not, if I'm not feeling, wow, like, well, I'm not really like part of the body of Christ, you come here, you feel differently. As we worship together, it shapes us, it disciples us into the presence of God. And the table shows like we are invited to the Lord's table, right? At God, as God's people. So we come here like this. It is uh, not uh, the same as if you were to tune in at home, right? There is this togetherness, there's this corporateness and a corporate identity and formation 
compassion that we experience as uh, the, the church, the people of God. And then the second uh, picture was like your house, your home, where you inhabit most of the time. Or, you know, now many of us work from home, but even like your maybe workplace, places you regularly access or, you know, inhabit. Uh, and it's like, Oftentimes, we, we grow in hospitality, so we love, you know, have people over, and we learn to, you know, extend generosity, or we get to know our neighbors, we befriend those in our neighborhood, and that's all good. But it's also, also a symbol of our life groups, right? Us being in close communion and fellowship with our life group people, our, our life group community. And in many sense, even in this period of time, one, two years, right, for many of us, I'm not sure how many didn't uh, check, but I think for many of us, our life group is like church because we were not meeting present in person, right? But there's a, that that's hominess that we learn to host the presence of God right where we are, in a home, right? And then there's this third space where, I don't know what name to call it, but like, you know, I guess out there, okay? Out there, <laughs> where you're like really on the streets, not where you regularly inhabit, but places that you occasionally go to or people occasionally meet, or some, sometimes even intentionally, not accidentally. Uh, for a period of time on my day off uh, uh, as a church worker, I made it a point, and this may sound very mi minor, okay? It's not, it's not a huge dramatic act, but I made it a point to take the bus, you're like, uh-huh, go on. So let me caveat that. Basically, where I come from in Kota Kinabalu, taking the bus is not something that many people in my circle did. I know that's hard to believe because here, you know, kind of bus very often. I bus very often here, yes. But back there, we always drive everywhere we go. Just like, you know, to the neighborhood Kopitiam, we drive. Yeah, don't, okay, why didn't I cycle? I don't know. Rollerblade, you would die. Uh, there's just, no, you know, it's not friendly la, for these little vehicles, okay? Uh, or little wheels. But anyway, I drove everywhere, and I served and worked with a church that was kind of like middle to upper income. Nobody bust. My youth group, bus, what's that? You know, it's that kind of thing. I know it's foreign to you, but I made it a point on my Mondays, on the day off, I would bring my book, bring my bottle, and I'll take the bus. Why? Because, you know, from well, Monday day off, from Tuesday to Sunday, I was with mostly Christians. Let me just put it out there, okay? Mostly Christians. There was a longing in me to be with people who were the furthest from where my usual circles were. And I cannot explain, but you know, nobody taught me that. I took the bus and it was one of the most life-giving things I did every Monday. I would sit next to people that, you know, didn't it, the bus didn't smell great, didn't look great. It's just like, you know, people that I would never otherwise talk to. Uh, and it was very life-giving for that's like That's like my out there. So you can start thinking, what is my out there? What is something that can be part of me practicing God's presence, not just in church? not just with my life group and like in my prayer group or whatever. Or with my colleagues, maybe I want to like point them to Jesus. It's all great. But there's then there's some more. There's some more out there. We can be more intentional about. The thing is, if we are just about church, we are a peculiar people 
but not really on mission, right? If we are like all about mission, social justice, and social action, then we're so missional, there's like, don't need to go to church, right? But then, then I would posit to say, I would assert all three spaces are key for us to be practicing God's presence, to be discipled in Christ's presence, truly everywhere we go, Coram Dio, right? And we need to learn that intentionally. Tozer says this in his book, The Pursuit of God, the world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God and the church is famishing for want of his presence. We don't want to be famishing for want of his presence, do we? Here's our some, here are some like, aspects of practicing God's presence that I'll run through real quick, and then I'll close. Practicing God's presence looks like this. A presence that is non-anxious. A presence that is faithful. And a presence that is restorative. And what do I mean by that? I'll just elaborate mostly using this slide. Or this. <laughs> a non-anxious presence is really one that is not governed by anxiety. And boy, are we prone to be anxious, right? We are prone to worry and concern. And we're human. And I think really it's Jesus understood that. And so when he said in Matthew 18, this, you know, come to me. The next uh, slide, please. Matthew 11, yeah. Come to me all who labor, middle of the paragraph, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus didn't say, come to me, there's no yoke with me, there's no burden. He didn't really, but he said, come to me and I will give you rest for my burden, there is burden, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Jesus understands we will struggle with anxiety and we worry, but we're reminded to seek first, right? Which of you, by worrying about, you know, our food and drink, what we'll wear, will add a day to our life, right, Jesus says. And the scripture also tells us, come to me, Jesus says, because he cares for you. Cast your cares to him. He cares for you. And so we really learn to be non-anxious through Jesus, who himself is gentle and lowly in heart, right? We come to him. And that can look like learning to meditate wherever we are. Right? When you're anxious, take five, breathe, and like, God, help me tend to your presence right now and not my anxiety. And we need to do that perhaps more times a day than we think. Right? Um, it doesn't matter what occupation you are. We're all sub subject to different kinds of stressors, anxiety. Practicing God's presence to learn to be non-anxious is to learn to receive God's peace that is beyond our understanding and then steward it wherever we are, in conversation, in our actions, with words or without, and all that. 
And oftentimes I learn to be a non-anxious friend. So I need to consciously like, God help me to be present to you when I'm listening to someone share about their lives. Sometimes I turn off. I look like, you know, I'm listening, but like my eyes glaze over. I'm like, you know, you don't know where I am. Uh, I le- need to learn to be present, to listen. And to n- sometimes I think I know peop- what people's concerns are, but when I really listen, I realize, oh, you know, God like points out an area. Uh, that there's nothing you can do to prepare for that, right? In conversation. Recently had a conversation and I thought like, oh, I know what this person is going to share. Uh, I know the, the concerns that she has. I think I'm going to advise her this way. But then we have this conversation and I'm learning to listen, tend to God's presence in the midst of that conversation. And God kind of like directs me differently, like ask her about this. Like, oh, I don't want to ask her about that. I don't ask her about this. Okay, ask. So you ask and you're like, oh, wow, okay, God is really present. Right, and we learn to be non-anxious because then I don't need to worry about do I know what to say, what do I say, how do I help this person. But we learn, we learn to draw from Jesus' peace, and we be that non-anxious presence for that person. And it also helps to remember we are that faithful presence. I recently took a class, and there was one of my classmates who, you know, has this testimony that just to me is just super amazing. She, you know, it worked in this place, accounting firm, before she became a pastor. And she, uh, for five years, faithfully went for lunch with one of her colleagues. So the colleague is about like in her 50s. Um, she herself was in her 20s. But she felt like she really, she felt God kind of give her a burden to like connect with her. She like, honestly, she doesn't like going hot places. She wants to stay in the aircon. She doesn't need to go out for lunch. Or she just works, 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 right? But she felt God give her this burden. And so she decided to draw this colleague. <laughs> Proceed with caution. Draw, thank you. Yes, correct. And she decided to draw this colleague for lunch. Cha Siu Fan is uh, the colleague's favorite. And so she, with this 50-something, would go for lunch as often as they could. She did that for the five years she was there. And then when she became a pastor, 10 years in, they were still connecting, right? Um, That's 15. Like, that's faithful. And that really like, wow, you know, that's amazing. I mean, I've got friends who are like trying like, after three, five years, I'm like, I don't know where, maybe I'm, you know, it's just not working. But no, like, I mean, God, but God, just, just to be present. Just to be present, not like my outcome, but just surrender. God, what are you doing in this person's life? I just participate in it. And it often may not look like the outcome we want or the speed with which we desire, but you are a faithful presence in this person's life. Later on, this uh, colleague passed away from cancer. 15 years after they started their lunch routine, uh, she was there in the end of this colleague's life. And that colleague, uh, because, I guess, of a faithful presence, said, yes, I want to know this Jesus that I've heard you talk about so many times. And uh, just before she passed away, she like, you know, joined her church and stuff like that. Online, uh, she cannot travel. Uh, this was a few years ago, and now she has passed away. But, you know, this person, was not, she's now a pastor, the, the 20-something. Not 20-something anymore, but yeah, okay, she's not a pastor. And she's like, yeah, you know, I've really learned just to be present, a faithful presence. I think that's a great reminder for us. And it reminds us to lean on God's faithfulness, not our own. And God is faithful with us. God is patient to complete the work He started in us. 
And what more than also, right? Anyone that God is calling you to be faithfully present with and to, God will be faithful to complete what He has already started in their lives, right? It wasn't started by you, but God initiated it. True proclamation of the power of the gospel and the demonstration of that power requires faithful presence. It's not fleeting. It's not up to your, our whims, our convenience, our impulses. And what it really does is it restores people to God's presence. And that is, remember, his foremost concern, right? God's foremost concern is the flourishing of everyone that he created in his presence. And that means uh, restorative means sometimes where truth needs to be spoken in an unjust situation, we speak. It's not a harmonious like, okay, don't rock the boat, restorative. No. You restore what is broken, you need to speak truth in love. So that restorative presence is not what is popular, what the norm is. It's not about preserving people's privileges the, or the rights of the privileged few. Right? It's not. This restorative presence is what God wants to do to contend when there is sickness that reigns, to contend where there's power of darkness and it needs breakthrough, to break those chains, to contend all of those because God loves them just as he loved us. And this sometimes looks like God inviting us to be with him in his presence in a place where you really would prefer not to be. And I'm not saying that God would drag you. But I'm saying, I think when we practice His presence and we seek to be non-anxious, it's not about me, and we seek to be faithful, okay, it's not my timing or not my ways, God will teach us to really participate in presence that restores, that restores people to His design, His purpose. And that looks, to, and them restored to living out their destiny, how awesome is that? It's not about us like, wow, you know, this is my destiny to restore God's presence in your life. No, they also have a destiny to restore, do the same for others, right? And we learn to practice this as God's people. How do we grow in this is my question to us today. As a church and you, how can you and I tend to Christ's presence in the spaces we go to, in the spaces we inhabit, we access. As you close your eyes, just to lead you in a time and just focus a minute's reflection. How do we grow in the presence of God where we are. Maybe for different ones of us, a particular person comes to mind or a particular family or a particular group of people. How do we tend to your presence, God? 
And sometimes we're not used to sitting and waiting for the answer. I already can feel a bit of anxiety. Okay, Janice, and then? I'm not going to end then yet. You're just going to sit there and ask God, how do I grow in tending to your presence in these spaces that I inhabit? And this is not just about like, you know, helping people. I mean, this is, comes right down to the heart of actually our walk with God, doesn't it? I'm going to put this out there because I didn't mean to, but I'm just feeling like God is inviting me to be bold. For some time now, and I kind of briefly shared with Matt, for some time now, I've been feeling uh, strange, and I call it strange because it's totally not what something I would imagine myself wanting to do. Now, we stay in the Marine Parade area, and our HDB... Um, Recently, we, I, I mean, got to walk around a lot more because, you know, try to put in more steps, count. Uh, and just this strange desire to, like, start, like, having this community kids activity in that area. Now, I'm like, dude, if you know me, like, okay, why would I want to do that, okay? Um, but God's just been giving that desire. And I feel even as I ask you this question, that's what God is highlighting to me. Um, that's not a difficult thing but it's something that's going to take time and effort but in my mind I just picture like this little group of kids from the community coming together and us kind of telling them stories um, being God's presence to them I guess after this I'll need to have a talk with Matt again and talk about what that looks like but maybe God is stirring your heart for someone or something that, to be real honest, right, it does come right down to challenge our walk with God. How am I present in your life, Janice? How are you walking with my presence everywhere you go? And God invites us to walk with Him. Wherever we go, Jesus won't you come with me? Lead me what to do here. And I want to say to those of you who specifically God is dropping a particular desire or idea or person in your heart right now, would you respond to Him? And so let's stand uh, as we respond. I'm just going to say a prayer for us. Wherever you are, if that's you and you're like, yeah, Janice, um, yeah, God is dropping this idea or this person in my heart right now. Uh, and that's you. Would you raise your hand? Um, no shame here. Just wherever you are, just raise your hand. Uh, if you have that burden or that stirring, 
to steward God's presence. And you just feel when you want to respond to that even now, would you raise your hand and we'll just pray for you right where you are in your home. Or maybe there's someone, a, work, a colleague uh, that's coming to mind or someone that you kind of like, you know, lost touch with and just God's just bringing that person to mind. I invite you to raise your hand as a gesture, not to me, to God. I'm not going to like record down. Raise your hand to God and say, yes, God, help me to steward this. If that's you, raise your hand and I'll pray. And then we'll respond in worship. God, we thank you that you are the one that calls us and you are faithful. And God, you are ever present everywhere, every time, every second of the day, not for a minute are we forsaken. And we have enjoyed your presence uh, since the day we've come to know you. But God, today, these hands that are raised, God, you know the ones that you've dropped in our hearts, the people or a specific burden that you've dropped on our hearts or a desire to see your presence manifest in these spaces. So God, we pray as your people this morning, that God truly teach us to tend to your presence, to contend for your presence to be made manifest, and to contend that God's lives and hearts be turned around and transformed and changed the way that you've changed us. God, help us to steward your presence as a people, as a church, and as families, as couples, as persons, as individuals, where we are. Teach us to walk with you and, 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 and walk with you and participate in your work that you're doing to restore your presence to all of creation. And God, we pray even now where there is sickness, where there is darkness, where there is disappointment, where there is death, a sense of death of whatever it is, physical, emotional. God, we pray that your presence will be stored. And we pray as your people, we will be a people of your presence right here in these spaces that nowhere will be left darkened, but everywhere your people bring light, bring life, bring grace, bring joy, bring hope, even in the season. We pray where, whether it's uh, you know, virtual meetings or in-person meetings, wherever it is, we pray, teach us to steward, tend to your presence this day as your people, that we may truly see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we pray for each other and to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's respond in worship.